Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we'll be looking at verses 46 through 52. This is the story in Mark where Jesus encounters Bartimaeus. A very familiar passage, it's found in all three Gospels. The title for the message this morning is taken from John Newton's hymn, one of the lines, Amazing Grace, was blind, but now I see. The Old Testament prophets wrote about the coming of the Messiah. He would work miracles. He would bring redemption to Israel. The miracle of giving sight to the blind is often mentioned as one of those indications that this was indeed the true Messiah. Just in the prophecies of Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 18, the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Isaiah 35, 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, uh, I'll read 7, to open the blind eyes, to bring out of the prisoners from the prison of them that sit in darkness and out of the prison house. Jesus himself, when he went into Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, went into the synagogue and opened the scroll. And in, in that reading, he read from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. The record of him doing that is in Luke chapter 4, verse 17. It says, when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stopped in the middle of Isaiah's prophecy because the next is the day of our, the vengeance of our God. That's the tribulation. But he stopped, and it says in verse 20, he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. They knew that this was a messianic passage in Isaiah. And by Jesus saying that this day, this is fulfilled in your ears, he was saying that he was the Messiah. Charles Ryrie makes the point that Jesus was the only one who restored anyone who was permanently blind. You say, what about Ananias when Paul was, uh, or Saul on the road to Damascus was struck down with, with the light from heaven? Well, that was temporary blindness, not permanent blindness. But Ryrie also says, there are more recorded miracles of the Lord in this category, that is healing the blind, than in any other. There were the two in Galilee that Jesus gave sight to, the two blind men. There was one at Bethsaida, one in Jerusalem that's found in John 9, and then we have two here in Jericho. The restoration of sight illustrates the dramatic change that takes place when we as sinners, wandering in the darkness, totally lost in our, in our sinful nature, in our ignorance that who Christ is or what he's done for us, finally come to the light of the knowledge of Christ. We're given sight. Paul, who was, as I said, struck down on that road to Damascus by a light that blinded him, three days later, 
Ananias restored his sight to him, or God did through the hand of Ananias, and he came to see that Jesus was the light. He wrote to the church in Corinth, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Not just the eyes, but the spiritual mind which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There are several indicators in this text today that show us that when Bartimaeus was healed of his physical blindness, God also removed the blindness from his heart. Bartimaeus saw himself as a sinner, and he saw Jesus Christ as his Savior. A particular miracle is recorded in all three synoptic gospels, as I mentioned. Matthew chapter 20, Mark 10, where we are here, and Luke 18. Mark includes more details about the story, and so I wanted to choose this, this passage to go through as our text this morning. What I find interesting in Mark's gospel, and it's also found in Matthew, that gives the same setting of when this took place, the healing of Bartimaeus. The 12 disciples had been arguing, if you look back up to around verse 43 and following, the 12 disciples had been arguing, for two started it, they said, when, when we come into your kingdom, can I sit on the right, can I sit on the left? Jesus said the Gentiles seek to be lords and exercise authority over others. Let's pick it up in verse 43. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be greatest among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you shall be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Then Jesus left them with these words. Just before they entered into Jericho and met blind Bartimaeus, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give himself a ransom for many. And now he'll show them how to minister to those who are among the lowest in society. Jesus came to rescue and to save those who are lost, those who are helpless, hopeless, just like these blind beggars. We recently looked at another encounter that Jesus had with someone in Jericho on this same trip into the city. It's the last trip that he's taking to the Passover in Jerusalem. It's this trip that where he'll die on the, on the cross for sinners. The Bible says that Jesus met Zacchaeus as he was passing through the city of Jericho. He had already healed Bartimaeus by the time that he met Zacchaeus. The encounter with Bartimaeus was as he entered into Jericho. Now we need to take a few minutes and deal with two questions that come up when comparing the synoptic gospels and the, the accounts. Matthew and Mark say Jesus met Bartimaeus as he was leaving Jericho. Mark, as they went out of Jericho. But Luke, in Luke 18.35 says, and it came to pass that as he was come nigh into Jericho, a certain man, a blind man, sat by the wayside begging. So we have to ask, is there a discrepancy in Scripture? Is there something that's controversial here? Is, did one of them make a mistake? And was it recorded in God's Word as a mistake? No, there are no mistakes in the Bible. The, the word synoptic means to see the same. The synoptic 
gospel writers all were looking at the same event, but they were looking at it from different perspectives. And when that happens, it's not something negative. We actually get a more complete picture of what's happening. Each of them are, are recording the truth. And we get a, a, a better picture of what happens. Now, A.T. Robertson offers what might be the best explanation as far as are they going into the city or are they going out? He said, well, that's a small thing. But isn't it interesting how people that don't want to believe the Bible will pick out the small things? A.T. Robertson offers, I think, the best explanation. He says it's probable that Mark and Matthew refer to the old Jericho, the ruins of which have been discovered, while Luke alludes to the new Roman Jericho. The two blind men were apparently between two towns. Well, Jericho, you'll remember, was the first city that the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan and destroyed. The walls came tumbling down. Herod the Great had another city that was built about one and three-fourths miles south of the old city that was still in ruins. And what did Herod name the new city? Jericho. It was the site of his winter palace. Another question that comes up, how many blind men were there? Was it one or was it two? Matthew says there were two blind men. Mark and Luke mention only one. Now we saw the same apparent contradiction or controversy in the case of the maniac of Gadara. Matthew mentioned two men possessed with demons. Mark and Luke write about one. In that account, we answered that there were two men that were demon-possessed, but the one Mark and Luke write about was probably the leader or the one in worse condition. Well, two blind men were healed on this day through Jericho. Bartimaeus was probably the, the more well-known of the two. Let's first of all consider his helpless condition, verse 46. The outline today is very simple. His helpless condition, his cry for mercy, and his restoration of sight. So his helpless condition. Mark 10, 46. And they came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Jericho, interestingly, had treatments for people with vision problems, with blindness, but they didn't have any cure. Jericho is a place where a particular balsam plant grew that was used to make medicine for blindness. But there's a difference between treatment and cure. When Jesus heals, he heals completely. A cure is not something that fixes a problem for a while and then it reverts back. When Jesus performed miracles, he changed nature. He changed the course of people. And not only that, he can change the course of a life. Has he changed your life? If he does, it's a complete work. When he saves you, he saves you completely. Your sins are gone. You're totally justified. We, I don't know if you think about this or not on a daily basis, but do you realize the righteousness of Christ, totally without sin, is imputed to your account? God looks at you, and he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He heals completely. 
Jericho is also a place that focused on the comforts of the body, but not of the soul. I said before that Jericho was where Herod built his winter palace. When it snows in Jerusalem, just 15 miles away in Jericho, it can be warm. It was an oasis in a surrounding desert. Remember, we called it the City of Palms. It's nice to be in a comfortable climate. When we get into the winter months in Michigan, we think about that, don't we? But our real needs are not in external comforts. Man's greatest needs are spiritual. And we're all born spiritually blind. We need to come to Jesus for forgiveness of sin. Jericho is also a place of great wealth. But money isn't the answer to spiritual blindness either. Merchandise and money pass through Jericho. Remember Zacchaeus had become wealthy by taxing the people. There was a great, it was a great place for, for beggars to set up shop with all these wealthy people. Travelers on their business would be carrying extra money as they went on the, uh, through the city on long trips. Bartimaeus was one of those beggars who sat beside the main road. And next to him was another blind beggar whose sight was also restored on this day. Mark records the name of Bartimaeus. The word Bar is son. Remember Jesus said Simon Bar-Jonas, son of Jonas? So Bar is son. Timaeus is an Aramaic word. And it means unclean. So Bartimaeus means son of the unclean. As I thought about that, I thought about myself. I'm a son of Adam. I was born that way. I was a sinner. Romans 5:12. For as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're all sons of uncleanness. Matthew and Luke don't mention his name. Mark is the one who does, Bartimaeus. It may be that Mark was writing to people who knew Bartimaeus after his sight was restored. MacArthur writes, although Bartimaeus was doubtlessly unknown when he was a blind beggar, it is possible that he later became highly respected in the early church and well-known to Mark and to those to whom he wrote. Mark would have been saying to his readers, and do you know who one of those blind men was? Bartimaeus, our dear friend and brother in Christ. His helpless condition. Now we come to verses 47 through 50, and we see his cry for mercy. There are three things that should be noticed about this request. Verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. His cry was purposeful. He had heard of Jesus. He had probably even heard that he had healed blind men. He had heard of other miracles. He was there by the roadside. He would have heard people telling the things that they knew. He identified Jesus not only as one born in Nazareth, but as the Messiah. How do we know that? He said, Jesus, thou son of David. All three gospel writers include this title. We know the name of Jesus means Savior. Son of David is the Messianic title. 
the one who will rule from the throne of David forever. If you look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, we have this prophecy. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. Jesus would be on David's throne reigning and ruling forever and ever into eternity. And so he's identifying this Jesus, the Savior, as the Messiah. Alexander says, his cry was an acknowledgement of misery, unworthiness, and helplessness, as well as of strong confidence in Christ's ability and willingness to help him. His cry was purposeful. He said exactly what he knew Jesus to be. His cry was personal. He said, have mercy on me. Each of us, as individuals, must cry out for God's mercy. There are people that we know, that we pray for, that we wish knew Jesus Christ as their Savior. But we can't make them believe. Every individual must make this personal cry for God to be merciful to him. His cry was not only purposeful and personal, it was also persistent. It says he began to cry out. The word here is kradzo. It's a word that sounds like what it is. It was used actually for screaming. It's a desperate shout, a desperate cry. Bartimaeus needed to be heard. And so he lifted his voice up above all the other noise that was going on as Jesus walked by. He cried out. The tenses of the verb for cry out and say indicate that this crying was continual. He kept crying out. Have you ever known people like that? You say, just okay, he's heard you, just be quiet. It's exactly what they did. He wasn't hindered by others who tried to, to, to tell him not to cry out. Notice in verse 48. And many charged him that he, would, that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The word charge there means to censure harshly or to rebuke. Charles Ryrie writes this, Well-meaning people can hinder the unsaved from coming to Christ. Even the closest members of one's family or sincere friends. But if you sense a need... Do not be put off by anyone until you reach the Lord with that problem. Bartimaeus may not have been saved that day had he listened to the crowd. Their rebukes only made him more persistent. He cried out all the more. Watch how Jesus responded in verse 49. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. He came to a stop. 
Jesus stood still. When you cry out for mercy, isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus stands still? That he hears you. That there, there is someone there to meet the need that you have. Jesus hears your cry. He'll stand still. He commanded him to be called. I find an interesting thing here. Jesus uses other people to invite those who need to come to him. He didn't just raise his voice to, to, to the blind man and say, come. It may be that even the ones that were trying to keep this blind man quiet were now the ones who told Bartimaeus the good news. Now their attempts to silence him turned to words of hope. The words mean, have courage, get up, he's calling you. Bartimaeus didn't waste any time in answering the call, did he? Verse 50, and he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. That garment would have been his outer robe or coat. It would have kept him warm on the early morning in the chilly times. A person who's blind usually likes to keep things where he can find them. When we started our ministry, we had a, a church for the deaf and the deaf-blind. If a person is deaf-blind, they have to have an interpreter sitting next to them. But sometimes when a, a deaf-blind person would invite me over for a meal, they'd say, I'll take care of, the, of putting things away. Don't help. Right. Why? Because I put it away somewhere that they'd never find it again, Right? Casting away his coat could mean two things about faith. First, he was more interested in coming to Jesus than he was his earthly possessions, his coat. It wasn't much, but it's what he had. And he was more interested, so he just left it. I like what John MacArthur says. He apparently was so certain of being healed that he figured he could come back later for his coat and find it himself. <laughs> When Jesus calls you for salvation or for some ministry that he wants you to do, don't hesitate in delaying that response. Respond immediately. Come when he calls you. Last point, verses 51 and 52, his restoration of sight. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Don't you find that interesting that Jesus asked what he could do for Bartimaeus? I mean, isn't it obvious? He's blind. But Jesus wants us to word our request to him. He wanted Bartimaeus to say it out loud. Others could hear he wanted this admission, this is what I need, Lord. Bartimaeus answered that he wanted to receive his sight. When he says that, he uses a word anablepo, which means to lift up his eyes, to look up, or to recover his sight. And many people say that he wasn't born blind, but he wanted to be able to see again with this word anablepo. Now he's asking to be able to see again. I know what I'm missing. I remember the, the birds and the flowers and the things that I could see. Mark 10, 52 says Jesus gave him what he asked. 
Matthew uses, uses the same word, anablepo, to show that both of these blind men got exactly what they asked for. He said in verse 51 in our text, that I might receive my sight. And in verse 52 at the end, immediately he received both of those anablepo. He got exactly what he asked Jesus for. This healing took place immediately. If you're spiritually blind today, Jesus can save you immediately. You don't have to start some long religious journey. Remember what Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's all it is. It's a simple plan of salvation. Believe and be saved. Jesus saves you the moment you put your faith in him. There should be spiritual growth afterwards. It takes place, and that might take some time. But the new birth takes place in an instant. Jesus said, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Faith in Christ is the only way to be saved. No one can believe for you. Thy faith. You must put your faith in him. Thy faith hath made thee whole. The word whole there is the word sozo. It means to be saved, to be delivered. Luke puts it this way. Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And he uses that word saved. Same word, sozo. Now that word can mean physical salvation, that is healing, or it can mean spiritual salvation. Here, it means both. How do we know that? These two blind men called Jesus the Messiah. They believed he was who he said he was. He is God's son. He is the only redeemer. He is the one who performed miracles. He's the one who came for them. Also, they expressed faith for that salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. They had faith. And also, their lives showed the change of heart that had taken place. What did they do immediately after they were saved? They followed Jesus. Matthew 20, 34 ends with the words, And they followed him. Mark 10, 52 ends with, and followed Jesus in the way. Luke ends in 1843, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. When a person gets saved, he'll glorify God, he'll follow Jesus, he'll tell others. These men were doing just that. Can you say with Bartimaeus, with John Newton, with all who have ever come to Christ. I once was blind, but now I see. Jesus is calling you to come to him today. Will you respond to his invitation? Believe him. Trust him. He'll save you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that this story is recorded in the scripture even three times. And it gives us hope because all of us are blind and dead in our sins. There's no way we can save ourselves. We can give ourselves vision or sight.
We thank you that through the blood of Christ you make that possible. And I pray that if there's one here this morning who's been putting this off, that today will be the day that they come forward and see from the scriptures how you died for them and they'll trust you as Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.